The Lord always knows what's happening. He always knows what's going on. He sees things way before we do. And uh, he had everything set up for us today. I, I, I will share this with you who are watching live stream, that we were planning to launch live stream services on Easter Sunday. So we had invested in our infrastructure. We had done a lot of different things, and we'd had it all in place. So God knew what he was doing even a few weeks ago or months ago as we were making plans to get ready so that these moments we could come together. Even if it's in an online gathering, we can come together and stay connected as God's people. And you know, I was also thinking about the sovereignty of God, of how he has worked so many things out, because a few weeks ago, I began a series on encounters with Jesus. And in particular, the last few weeks, I've talked a lot about a field trip with Jesus. That is, when you think about Jesus and his teaching, like he would, he would speak to his disciples. He would show them what the characteristics of a disciple would look like. He, he would show them how they were to live. But then what he would do, just like any good teacher, he would move from teaching to application. So he would take his disciples out into the field, if you will, and he would say, this is how what I've been saying applies. I want you not only to hear me say that I have power, I want to show you that I have power. So I'm going to take you out on a field trip so that you can see this. I never realized when I started this series that we'd be on a field trip of our own. I never thought that when we got on the bus for the field trip, that we would have to be concerned about hand sanitizers or wiping down the seats or anything like that. I didn't know that we should have packed our toilet paper with us when we went. I didn't know that whatsoever. And yet, God through these last few weeks hopefully has been preparing us at Temple to remind us of the power of Jesus. Because as we've seen in Luke chapter 8, and that, that's where we're going to be this morning, Luke chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 40, but don't miss what's happened on this field trip already. Remember when Jesus had finished teaching, he went to the other side of the lake. He got on the Sea of Galilee, and as he was there, a storm came. And the storm blew, and the disciples, they thought they were going to die until Jesus spoke peace to the winds and the waves. And when he spoke peace... They listened because he had authority over disaster. He had authority over nature itself. He had authority. And what the disciples had seen was that authority in action. Jesus was able to calm the storms. Then when they got off the boat on the other side, there was a demoniac. Actually, we're told in one of the other gospels that there were two demoniacs who came running up to the shore and they began to speak to Jesus. One in particular that had multiple demonic influences, demonic spirits in his life. And what did Jesus do? Jesus showed his authority and his power over that demonic oppression, and he pushed it back, and he freed that man of his bondage. Because Jesus, in this field trip, wanted to teach his students, his disciples, that he had power that he had power over everything that the demons would bring against him. And then last week, we began talking about verse 40. But we know that there's a story inside the story. We know that we begin in verse 40 with 
a guy, actually verse 41, a guy named Jairus. We're going to see that. But in the midst of that story, there's another one. There's one about a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years. And she had been to every kind of doctor. She had sought out different types of procedures. She had spent all of her money. Until she met Jesus, she had never known healing. I love this. As I said last week, it's like a blessing within a blessing. I, I, described it in, um, I described it in our gathering services. That's where we are today in our gathering services. I described it as like a double-filled little Debbie. You ever had one of those? Like where God just like, man, you just, I mean, they're all little Debbies are good. Because I'm going to tell you, a little Debbie is one woman that will never let you down. I know that personally in my life. But sometimes you just get extra little feeling. And what Jesus does here is he shows us a story within a story. And he shows us that this woman is healed. Because, because how prophetic is this? We talked about last week. Jesus has authority over disease. Jesus has authority over every type of sickness. And when I read through the Gospels, I see it over and over and over. How our Jesus, our Lord, is able to bring healing to people's lives. And the Jesus of then is the Jesus of now. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. There's no doubt. Always is. And he can bring healing. So we've seen that. We've seen this on the field trip. But now we see stop four, I call it. And again, how God lined this all up. Because stop four shows us how he has power over life itself and death. Look in verse 40 of chapter 8. It says, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Remember, he had gone across the lake, and now he comes back. And there's this great crowd because they want to see Jesus. They've heard of his power. Perhaps they've seen it. They're there in the area of Capernaum. They want to see Jesus. Verse 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him or they crowded him so look at this with me Jesus comes back he comes upon the shore and then all of a sudden this guy named Jairus comes to Jesus now it says that he's the ruler of the synagogue the ruler of the synagogue would have taken care of buildings but also would have been involved in the planning of worship services now I've been trying to imagine this of what that would look like and this is rather frightening but for a moment, I want you to try to combine a few different personalities. Could you do that with me? Let's say that we are going to look at Jairus as a combination of Cecil Barham, Mike Colley, Jeremy Asher, Zach Husser. That's his last name. Zach Husser, Jody Williams, uh, Don Calvin, and Reggie Bridges. For those of you who are Temple family, can you think of that? You don't want to think of that. That is frightening. I mean, to try to put all those personalities together in those roles. But that's what the ruler of the synagogue, he would take care of the buildings, but he would also be in charge of like trying to schedule and, and put together the worship service. He was a ruler of the Jewish people. He comes 
to Jesus. Now this is going to contrast him with the rest of the religious leaders. I mean, we've already seen this. Most religious leaders of the day, they're pushing back on Jesus. They're criticizing Jesus. They're talking about this rabbi from Nazareth, and they are finding every reason to doubt him and to call him into question. But Jairus comes to Jesus. Why? Because his daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, is dying. It's amazing what you will do for your kids. It's amazing what you will do for your family members, is it not? Like, like when things are happening, you don't care so much about the way things look politically. Huh? I, I mean, get this, because the ruler of the synagogue, when he's going to Jesus, he is going to infuriate some people. He's going to make some of the religious leaders mad. He's going to make probably the people in the synagogue, Matt, he may lose his job, but when, when your daughter is dying, you're not worried about the unfulfilled promises of legalism. You're not worried about the politics of the day. All you're worried about is seeing your daughter experience power and life and healing. He comes... Jesus I got a lot more to say some of you are looking at the clock probably I'm proud I can't see you on live stream looking at that clock but in this day and age where so much is politicized so many different things are going on listen folks we need to be able to come together and recognize that the only thing that would really stop this and help is Jesus you can go to everybody else. Just like the woman who had gone to all the different physicians. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm praying for the medical personnel. I am grateful God gives them the wisdom. But remember, God is sovereign over all. He's sovereign over our medical facilities. He's sovereign over our communities. He's sovereign over our churches. He's sovereign. And here the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, he goes to Jesus. And I think there are a lot of people right now that are running toward Jesus. And I'm proud they are. But we need to speak to them about who, who the real Jesus is. And what Jesus wants to do in their lives. Look, look, Jesus will show Jairus exactly what he can do. So if you will look down in verse 49. Because remember, he's interrupted as he goes down to the house of Jairus. By the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years. So he was interrupted. I'm, and I'm sure that Jairus was kind of like, okay, Jesus, that's good, but we got to get to the house. I don't know about, like, come on, Jesus, let's go. Hurry up, Jesus. We need you to move, Jesus. Come now. I don't know if you've ever actually said that, but there are times when we get impatient with him too. And I bet Jairus was impatient with Jesus. But again, in verse 49, it says, while he was still speaking, that's Jesus talking. Someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. When Jairus went to Jesus, he had full faith that Jesus could heal. 
Didn't he? Yes, he did. Just come to my house. Jesus, I need you to just come. His faith was in Jesus. Then as he's walking down, and as impatient as Jairus must have been with Jesus, he sees another healing take place. And you must have believed that the faith of Jairus soared. Like not only had he had heard and perhaps even seen other healing moments that Jesus has had, but now, now, Jairus had had a front row seat at the power of Jesus. And he knew that if he could get Jesus down to the house, his daughter would live. But in the process of all this, while Jesus was still speaking to the woman, the servants from the house come and they say, Master, ruler, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Don't worry with Jesus anymore. Can you imagine how his faith faltered? Now, again, it wasn't about faith. People say, well, he would, you know, she could be healed if. No, no, no. Jairus had all the faith in the world. It wasn't a matter of faith. Jairus knew. He, his faith had exponentially grown. But now his faith falters. And when faith falters, fear follows. I want you to hear this. When your faith begins to falter, fear will follow. Where do you get that, Reggie? Where do you get it? Well, look at what Jesus says, verse 50. When Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And see, this is what happens. You know, as we allow so much uh, maybe news or information, and, and we need to stay up to date. We need to know what's going on. But so many times we take so much in that our faith begins to falter. We begin to, we begin to think about all the different things of the world, and our, our eyes maybe shift just a bit from Jesus and if that happens fear will follow you're fearful Jesus said don't don't be afraid don't be afraid Um, the terminology there is a terminology that is present tense in other words what Jesus says is stop stop going on in a state of fear Stop just allowing it to consume you. Stop. Stop. I don't know, but there have been times in my life where Jesus had to just say, stop. Stop. I know you're fearful. I know you've got so many things about your kids and your family and and the church and all that kind of stuff. And even now in these days, obviously, how applicable is this word to us even today? Stop being afraid. Stop. But do what? Stop being afraid. Only believe. Only trust. And the terminology there is one that you make a decisive, you make a decisive turn toward him. 
you make a decision that you will not fear, but that you will have faith. You will not be fearful or live in fear or live in panic, but you will live in the faith of Jesus, not in the faith of just other people. Don't put your faith in me. Don't put your faith in your family. Don't put your faith in everything else. Put your faith ultimately in Jesus. That's what he says. He says, only decisively trust and she will be made well. Be made well? She's dead. How in the world can one who is dead be made well? His name is Jesus. That's how. So let's continue in the story. This is awesome. It, it continues in the story. It says, when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John. And the father and mother of the girl. So his inner circle, they go in. The parents of the girl, they go in. And as they go into the house, what a macabre scene this is. It says in verse 52, now all wept and mourned for her. So you can imagine all these people around there mourning, they're weeping. There are professional mourners there. Obviously there are the family members who are mourning, but I believe at this point they're also professional mourners. According to the New Testament at this time, there would be those people who would come in and be paid to weep in a sense. Uh, later on, according to the Jewish documents, that even the poorest individual who died, they had to have at least two people who would be there to play the flute and one person who would mourn. They had to have this. So could you imagine, you're walking in, and it's like this orchestra of weeping all around. So they walk in. There's this ominous scene. And as they walk in, Jesus says to everybody, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. Now, physically, she was dead. When Jesus says that she's sleeping, he's using a euphemism to soften that statement, but also he is pointing toward the hope. He is pointing toward the certainty that she's about to live again. There's faith in that. So don't weep. Get ready. Get ready. She is going to live. And look in verse 53. They ridiculed him. That word literally means to laugh down, to speak down at him. Do you notice how the emotions change? Because they're paid, they're professionals. They were mourning one moment, but now they're laughing down at Jesus in this moment because they knew she was dead. So don't miss it. This is not a resuscitation that's coming up. This is a resurrection. Like she is dead, and they all recognize it. Verse 54, but he put them all outside. I kind of want to do that to people every now and then, don't you? Certainly, I do it to my kids every now and then. Like, go outside and just play. And I know that school's out for a while and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying send them out into the uh, courtyards and everything else in, around this place. But I'll tell you, sometimes you may have to send them out in the woods. In the, no, 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 not in the woods. That's dangerous. And I got law enforcement people here that will get on to me about that afterwards. In the yard, just send them in the yard. Tell them to play. Tell them to do something. He put them outside. Why did he put them outside? Because they laughed. They did not have faith. And there's some of us sometimes living on the outside because we don't have the faith that God can really do what he said he would do. He put them on the outside. And he took her by the hand and called saying, 
Little girl, arise. And then her spirit, Luke tells us this specifically, more than the other gospels at this point, he tells us, he says, her spirit returned. Her pneuma, her breath, her spirit returned. And she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. She lived. She she lived. Those of us, again, who are parents, we have younger children or maybe older children. Can, Can you imagine... Can you imagine the excitement, the amazement to see the power of Jesus, to know that your daughter was dead, but now she lives because of his work? Because, see, this punctuates the story. This brings the field trip to an end. Oh, Jesus will continue to teach, and he'll continue to take his disciples out, but this brings it all to conclusion because, again, the Jesus who had power over disaster, the storm, the Jesus that had power over the demoniac, Jesus that had power over disease, it's now showing us that that this is, he is the same one that has power over death, life and death. So the two takeaways I'd give you as we get ready to close this up. One, you don't ever doubt that Jesus has the the supreme authority over life itself. There is nothing, there is nothing that escapes the authority and the sovereignty of Jesus. I know it seems like things are going crazy, and it does. I mean, we have been trying to work through what we were going to do today, and we're still trying to think about the services ahead. We're looking around us. We're seeing people that uh, are obviously struggling right now with fear and there are people who are sick in different locations different clusters different areas there's so much uncertainty but God is not uncertain he is still the king over this life everything has to bow before him sometimes it may not go like we think it should Jairus He thought Jesus was just going to come down and bring healing then, right? Jairus wasn't thinking, my daughter's going to die and Jesus is going to bring her back through a resurrection. He wasn't thinking that. He wasn't thinking that. And there will be times where Jesus will violate your expectations. You'll think, oh, this is going to happen. And look, we pray in faith, do we not? I pray just like Jairus. I know that, that he can stop this pandemic. There is no doubt in my mind. He can speak into it. He can stop it. There is no doubt. But even when Jesus violates our expectations, we should not give up faith. We should not give up our trust in him. Because he is still Lord. And he is Lord over everything. He is the one who gives hope. I've shared this over the last few weeks because when you look at these different individuals, when you look at the disciples in the boat, they were hopeless. When you look at the demoniac, hopeless. When you look at the woman who had the issue of blood for 12, hopeless, nobody had helped. You want to talk about hopeless? How about 
Jairus, when he comes back and his daughter is dead, that is as final as it gets. But there's always hope when Jesus is involved. Always. Always. No matter how hopeless, Jesus brings hope to a situation because he is the Lord over life. Jairus. The name Jairus means he will enlighten or he will awaken. And what Jesus does is say, hey, Jairus, I know what your name means. But now I'm going to show you what your life means. Because basically, through your daughter, the one who is awakened, the one who lives, the one that I have brought back to life, your faith should be awakened. You should know who I am. Jesus is the Lord over all things. I noticed this a few weeks ago uh, when we first started hearing about this coronavirus. And I didn't even want to say that word today just because I've heard it so much. Just to be honest, I didn't want to even say it. But over the last few weeks, I've heard them talk about the coronavirus and I was intrigued by the name coronavirus. And some of you, you've read, you've, studied, you've seen some coronavirus. Where does it come from? If you go back and look at the old Latin corona, that word meant crown. It comes from the Greek corona, which means wreath or garland, like you would place upon the victor's head. And according to what they say, the reason it's been given that name, and some of you who are medical professionals, you know better than I do, but they say that if you look at it under the microscope, if you look at the virus, you will see little crown-like features. When I read that the first time, I thought, that's a pretender. That virus is pretending to have some type of authority and reign. It just thinks it looks like it has a crown. It just thinks that it can somehow have a garland placed upon its head. I know the victor. I know the one who wears the crown. Jesus is the one who is the king, not a coronavirus. If you were to look, I don't even have to look under a microscope to figure that out. I know because of what life shows us, what the scripture teaches us, the authority of Jesus is intact and it has never been threatened, nor will it ever be. Ever. Because Jesus has the authority over life. And Jesus also has the authority over death. That's what he says here. That he has the authority over death. Death is unknown to us in many ways. Ominous. It can bring fear to us. But don't you forget that Jesus himself is the resurrection and the life. It says that this girl, her spirit returned and she arose. That word arise or arose is uh, Jeremy Zach, it's that same kind of anastasis we talked about before that I think some of you, we will sing of, of praising the Lord, praising his name. It means literally to stand again. When you think of the resurrection, to stand again. Life 
she stood again. They never thought she would. They never thought that life would return. That's the reason they laughed at Jesus. They ridiculed him just as they would so many different believers today. But our God has power over death. And he can bring forth a resurrection. Now, I want to take precautions, and I encourage people to take precautions. I want people to remain safe. I want to make sure that those who have compromised um, medical situations remain safe. Our elderly, we want to make sure that we're taking care, and they, they take precautions, okay? And I think we should, too. Look, I, I'm, I know Jesus. If I step into heaven tomorrow, I'm good, but I know also I've got a lot of responsibility. So whatever the Lord, I want to be cautious, but I don't want to fear death itself. Shouldn't we talk to people about that even today? Take precautions. But don't fear death. Death is going to come one way or the other. I hate to say that, especially some of you say, well, see, you had a hopeful message till you mentioned that. Death is going to come to all of us at some point, at some time. Again, we take precautions, but my hope is in something better than this place. I have eternal life. You know what eternal life means? It means life without end. It means that, that I am secure in Jesus. And nothing, listen to me, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing can. And that's the eternal life we need to be talking about with other people. You're scared. You're frightful. This is the peace of Jesus. That as you take precautions, as you go through these moments of life, still know that the peace of God will guard your heart. It will reign over you. It will surpass every type of understanding that is if you have the eternal life in Jesus. We're going to give a moment of response. Some of you are watching through the live stream, or maybe even a playback, or even come next Sunday morning when you see it on television. I want you to hear that Jesus has the authority over life and death. I want you to know that we at Temple Baptist Church are here to do whatever we can for our community, whatever we can for you. In the coming days, we don't know what's going to happen as far as needs. But if there's something that you have that you want to ask us to pray for, you got a prayer request, you got a need. Some of you who are elderly and you say, I just need somebody to maybe run by and get some groceries for us. Maybe you're a Grambling student and you're being forced out. You need somebody to help move. Whatever else it is, you can call the church office. I think... About most Rustin, they have my cell phone, so you can call somebody and get my cell phone if you need to do that. Or you can text NEEDS, N-E-E-D-S, to 97000, 97,000. If you text NEEDS to that, you're going to get a response, and you can let us know how we can be of ministry to you. Because this is not the time for the church to run and hide. We may not be able to gather in groups of over 250, but we can still be the church in the community. And we want to be the church who expresses Jesus' authority 
over life and death. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these moments that you've given us wherever we are. We may not all be gathered. We may be scattered. But you are the Lord over all of us. God, we come before you right now. And Lord, we commit our absolute faith and trust to you. There's some out there who are scared. There are some in this room who are probably a little bit fearful. There are those who are watching this. They're scared. And Lord, I pray that you would just bring peace to them. But Lord, much more than that, that you not only meet their physical need, but you would show them that you are Lord. And if they've been struggling with this decision of following you, may it be as clear today as ever that you are the only one that can bring hope to their hopeless situation. Lord, I pray that there would be people who would come to you and surrender their lives through repentance and faith and be saved even through these difficult days. And I pray that for those of us who are saved, we would act like it and that we would decisively trust you with our lives. Thank you for the power that you've shown us and the power that you continue to demonstrate today. We pray now that you would sharpen our minds, that, Lord, you would steady our hearts, shield our bodies, and, Lord, strengthen our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen.